violence is our center. You would not be here if your ancestry did not fight as hard as they could to survive. It meant killing another animal or killing somebody else for resources. It's just survival. We have sequestered ourselves away from that. But at the same time, sometimes that pressure on the social ecosystem does make us react somewhat violently against each other, if not completely. Hey guys, welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Pomzeski with Tyler Weeb. We're going to dive into kind of an us versus them, let's explore polarization, friend or foe topic. Um, Because I think not only are we deep in it now, and no matter when you hear this, I think we still will be for the foreseeable future. And Tyler, we've talked about this in many forms, but I think looking at it from a specific angle, uh, as a person who wants to, I guess, feel included in communities. We, we have our fitness community, our bodybuilding community. Um, we're kind of toward the academic side of that, where we work with a lot of general population clients and people who want just full life transformations, not only physical. And there, there is something right at the heart of social psychology that I just wish people understood. And it's this tension. It's so simple if you understand this. Um, there's me and there's you. So now we have two people. I have wants and needs and desires and freedoms and responsibilities, and so do you. When we bring those together, they don't always match. So we have me, we have you. That means there's a relationship, and there ha- there's going to be some dynamic stuff there. It's not always great. We have to re- resolve conflict and so forth. Well, you add me, you, and a bunch of other yous, Now you have a society or a culture. Now you have a lot of people with with potentially conflicting ideas and perspectives and thoughts and wants and needs. And so you ultimately have to create what we call a social contract, which whether it's spoken or unspoken, it can be spoken in the form of laws and bylaws and rules and regulations, or it's just, hey, this is how we treat each other. If we don't vibe together anymore, then we just go find other friends or leave that community. But when that, when that whole ecosystem starts feeling too much pressure and things start to break down, that's where you have real conflict. That's where you have war. And this is something that we, we get right from the beginning, right? Like, you know, hey, little Johnny, you are a Klumzeski. Here's what we believe. Here's what those people believe. We're right. They're wrong. Then you go to school. It's like, hey, you're a you're a tiger. They're a bobcat. Our school is better than their school. We're going to kick their asses on the basketball court Friday. And then it's our city versus another city. It's our state versus another state, country versus country, religion versus religion. And we just keep layering in these others and it really starts to break down. So I, I'm curious, I, you know, I, I don't know if you've thought of it in that kind of, of format, but w- when you see the polarization, you see the hate you know, even bodybuilding federation versus bodybuilding federation, natural versus enhanced. We just love to hate people. And there's, there's something so naturally primal about that, but is it useful? Is it completely destructive? Is it a tool that we should know how to manage in different contexts? How do you, uh, how do you just put all this together? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I was running through like a few just, you know, as you were talking, an idea here and an idea there. I'm like, oh, this, that. And when you kind of started getting into the use of like our language and how it can be so war focused and battle focused and hate focused, I was reminded of just earlier this week, uh, Joe Biden was having a his battle for the soul of America speech. And and. You know, typically, I think we see a lot of that language maybe from one other side a lot more. And then I'll all of a sudden to kind of see it on that side. My first initial reaction was, no, that's not how you're supposed to do it. But on the other side, well, sometimes, you know, we fight in fire with fire. But that's kind of what I was reminded of and just how even so much of our language is dominated by this very aggressive idea of of the battle for the soul like you know so like grandiose and like life or death i have to put my life on the line for the soul of this ideology that what i think america is because these people think america is this so that's what i was reminded of and how i just i felt disappointed and sad that that is always the initial language that we seem to go to when we're comparing ourselves to, you know, whomever our opposite group or or whatever. Well, I, you know, first of all, you, you landed right in the bullseye, which is this really is a, a need for self-protection and it can be truly real in, you know, you kind of put it in those terms of, you know, battle and survival and so forth. But even if it's a little bit softer because our society isn't just out there, you know, battling against each other for for a, a meal, um, you know, it, it still feels that way. Our amygdala is still set up to feel that much intent. And I was watching, I don't know if you've seen The Terminal List, a an Amazon Prime series with Chris Pratt. It's I have about- a baby now. I don't have much time to watch TV. Okay, well, this is the first <laughs> series I've watched in months and I couldn't stop. Because it's it's a Navy SEAL who bad shit happens. He and you know there's vengeance and his you know I mean family gets murdered and all this stuff. Um, and I did and I watched the conclusion last night, the finale, and it was so good. And yet my only thought was, violence is our center. It just is because you would not be here if your ancestry did not fight as hard as they could to survive. And that sometimes meant real violence. Uh, It meant killing another animal or killing somebody else for resources. It's just survival. We have sequestered ourselves away from that a lot, I think mostly. Um, But at the same time, that's, that's what I mean by sometimes that pressure on the social ecosystem does make us react you know, it's somewhat violently against each other, if not completely. And this is where you have to be able to talk yourself off that ledge. Is it useful for me to have this angry, compulsive reaction? Is it useful for me to not like that person when, if I think about it, I really don't even know them or that organization or that belief structure or something? You know, these are all self protective because in our self, our ego, we talked about this, you know, recently. You know, we build these worldviews and these schemas. Then we categorize everything else as you're part of that or you're not. You're for me or against me. 
then we start selectively processing the information according to all of our biases. We go through all these social comparisons and pretty soon it's just a simple heuristic. You're good or bad. You're a threat or you're not. You're with me or you're against me. And, and again, I, I think it just takes, first of all, recognizing why do I have so much animosity toward that thought or that person or that thing and really start to analyze through the structure. Again, just knowing this is why my brain does this is the whole ballgame. Oh, it could take so much energy to hate that much too. Like, cause I don't know about you. I mean, I've certainly have been like that in the past. And when you find yourself starting to like, think about that particular group or whatever, you get yourself so riled up and aggressive and like you start making up these scenarios in your head and, Oh, they said this and you know, I'll say that. And you kind of go through that and it just requires so much energy to, you know, to do that. And it doesn't go it, or sorry, it isn't going to benefit really anything or anyone, you know, especially nowadays where, man, resources are so abundant and, you know, that anger and, and that hate has to go somewhere. Like you said, like that pressure continues to build and build. And now that, you know, we're connected by a, you know, a click away, we're starting to find, you know, I think I said this last week, more and more of the type of people that are within our tribe. And now that pressure just continues to build as you find more and more and you're just seeing like the like the cracks, right? And it just it kind of feels like it's almost accelerating to something. Well, I I agreed with where you started, and then I'm going to tell you where you went wrong. Okay, thank you. you sound <laughs> like my you sound like Steph. <laughs> um, see, see again, there's us versus them. I'm going to tell yeah. you why I'm right and you're wrong. That's okay. Uh, so you you are exactly right that it takes so much energy to hate. And, and it's it's mostly self-destructive where I, I think most people would totally agree with you because on the surface, you're exactly right. Like, you know, it's not useful, but it is useful. That's why we still have it in our psyche. It's useful because those self-delusions protect me from having to be open-minded and to consider that other people may be right and I may be wrong. And maybe I have all this sunk cost bias on how I've structured my entire belief system and life and family. And that's painful. Like that's a, that can be like a psychic schism. And so we love to cocoon ourselves in these delusions and then just feel nice and warm and cozy. Everybody else is wrong. I'm right. Life goes on. I'll find the people who agree with me and we stay together in our little troop. The other thing that you said, and so first of all, let me say that people who are real high achievers, they absolutely have to have that enemy. They have to have the other to fight against because that's what drives them. And so <clears throat> people who find themselves unmotivated, without a goal, you know, you could say they're kind of type B or whatever, they, they need to construct something. It doesn't have to be like true hatred against somebody else but they have to find something that creates some conflict that needs resolution. And it can be simply like, I want a better life. I'm not, I'm going to increase my, my education or my work experience and I want a different life. So therefore I have to go work for it. And that is the same thing, just not targeted toward a single person. But the, the other thing that you said is, man, you know, why, why do we do this? Cause resources are so abundant right now. 
That's exactly why we're in the hyper-polarized state we're in. Since 1980, 42 years ago, in the U.S., that was the height of the middle class. Now, the bottom 50% of our social structure is working twice as many hours to make the same money. Twice as many people are under the poverty line. The top 10% are making 200% more than they were doing the same jobs. The top 1% are making 400% more. The top 0.01% are making 700% more. So we have such pressure in the middle and resources are getting so scarce. I mean, we still have half the world's population living on less than a couple dollars a day. We're just one catastrophe away from millions of people dying of starvation. 20, 20 25,000 people still die of starvation every day. So that's where I think a lot of the pressure comes because the kind of oligarchical complex keeps pulling more money to the top. And, and the new slavery is simply slave wages where people are working harder and harder and harder, feeling less and less. So that's, that's a, I mean, I don't want to talk about economics in this, but, but that's, that's part of it. That's just a great prime example of we could all be doing fine. We think everything's great. And then here comes this pressure. And then all of a sudden people start fraying at the ends and all kinds of conflict arises. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, after saying that you could, I mean, you just kind of see it happening every single day. And I think that, you know, maybe this is a little, a little side note, but I think this is like a, a great example of kind of what we're talking about here today is you can say that I'm wrong and I'm not going to get my backup. I'm going to go, Oh, okay. Maybe I am wrong. But there's that initial like embarrassment. There's, there's that initial, Oh, right. Like I do that to you all the time. Just, just I know, I know well, it's because I'm wrong so much. Apparently, <laughs> you know, I just, I just kind of talk and you know, whatever happens, happens. So, uh, but, but you don't, that's even still something that like I've been really working on as well. And I still think it is applicable to be able to take personal critique and, and feedback from people that is negative but it is coming from a point of someone who actually does care and wants you to be better. Like we have to still be good at doing that because that is going to be such an important tool of being open to other viewpoints, you know, things like that. So I don't know. It just, I thought that was kind of cool. Like in podcast calling me out, I'm wrong. I get my back up a little bit and go, no, you know what? Like I, maybe I am wrong. Like there's a good chance of that. You can show this clip to your therapist and say, Joe pretends to be my friend. And then he's mean to me on camera. So yeah. Yeah. I got, I got video evidence. (laughs) Well, so, so here's the thing, like talking about scarce source uh, or scarce source. That's a, that's a term. Uh, resource scarcity, um, you know, let's say 200 people go into a bodybuilding contest and only a couple pro cards are given away. Everybody's worked so hard for this. What happens after the contest? Oh, those fucking judges, that was political. They made a bad call. Oh, that team, that coach, that person, they did this, this. Like instantly, because we didn't get what we want and somebody else did, there seemed to be a social contract breach the just world theory broke down. Like we must avenge our pride or our honor or, you know, get those resources back, even if it's a $15 trophy. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, uh, you know, there is, I think, yeah, certain positives to it where, 
you know, maybe it can take that, you know, that 15th place bodybuilder and give him that extra motivation he needs for the next five years. And he goes and gets his pro card and changes his life. Right. Or, you know, you always hear about in professional sports that, you know, the guy drafted in the Tom Brady, <laughs> right. Last pick and, you know, goes on to become one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And he uses that for, you know, for whatever, how many years has it been? 20, 25 years. He's been in the NFL. It seems like so. There is certainly those benefits to it. Um, and yeah, I just I think when it becomes, you know, manifested in a way that is, you know, going to cause harm, you know, that's when we ha- obviously have to be careful. Here, here's another way to use it as a useful tool. And I was talking to a friend of mine today about this. He's actually an organizational psychologist. And uh, I, I brought up the topic of, you know, Dr. Robert Sapolsky, who is a neuroendocrinologist and a primatologist. <clears throat> he observed and worked with the same troop of baboons uh, for something like 25 or 35 years. And throughout that time, there were many power changes. The alpha male, the sub beta male group under the alpha male, like people come and go, die Sometimes an aggressive alpha male who's an asshole gets attacked and killed by other ones and somebody else takes his place. And he was very careful to explain how the entire tone and tenor of the behavior of that troop was 100% malleable and different from generation to generation, simply because of the leadership that sets the tone. And so uh, as I was talking to my friend, Zach, um, you know, he said, yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. Like, I love sitting back in organizations or meetings or companies and I'll see these these schisms erupt, you know, people on different sides of a conversation. And he said, my goal is always to kind of bring people to the center. <clears throat> and I think just just knowing that that's possible, that other people may not be as aware of these amygdala driven needs for threat perception and and that hostility we naturally impulsively feel. And you can just bring people down because it, it comes from contact theory or just, you know, th- think, think of the, you know, whether it's, it's that little kid that I talked about as a metaphor at the beginning, like you were born in this family. So you automatically, we're going to tell you that you hate those people. They have a different color skin than you, a different belief than you. So they're not like us. Well, you can do the opposite. You can get to know other people. And as soon as you start breaking those walls down through contact, you really start to realize that, man, you know, I don't need that animosity and that negative energy in my life. So there's a question based off of that, then you could say that we nowadays, this is the most contact you could ever have with anybody, but it seems like we also have now the most animosity so where like does it is it contact in a sense of like you have to physically be there and not behind a computer screen or is like yeah i just i don't know that's what i was curious about it doesn't have to be that but it does have to be some form of personal intimacy some form of connection because yeah you and i can hide behind a keyboard and snark at each other and tweet at each other and create more hate but when you go offline for a second like like i've done this before like where Somebody says something publicly and I'm like, like, wow, that seemed aggressive or bad. And so I'll private message them and they're, oh man, you're right. I'm sorry. I got carried away and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, again, that's, that's kind of my goal, right? Like, like you can just let things fester or you can have contact, intimate contact with somebody. And man, I mean, that, that tension comes down 
instantly, as soon as you're looking somebody eye to eye, even if, you know, not eye to eye. Yeah. Yeah. Through a, through a screen. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. And it, yeah, it just, it comes back to the fact again of just us being open to asking questions, us being open to, you know, other viewpoints and, and trying to, you know, understand someone else's viewpoint. You know, there's definitely a lot of things in my life where it, it's, it doesn't come right away. Like it, it takes some thought and it takes some playing with and, and thinking about it abstractly and, and, you know, working through, it's like, okay, like, you know, trying to imagine, you know, what that person is, is feeling or thinking or trying to come at it from their perspective. And so, you know, being able to do that and, and still just take the time uh, and being maybe, Hey, you know what, right now I don't agree with this, but let's maybe explore this a little bit and see where this takes me. Like there's, there's nothing ever going to be wrong because either a, you're going to find out, I mean, maybe she were, you were right and maybe you shouldn't. And there were B, maybe you were wrong and you learn a different perspective, grows the worldview, grows you as a human being, you know, in a way you go in a positive manner. You just, you just gave the perfect antidote, which is to disconnect and think. And that's another one of these societal pressures on the social ecosystem. And that's why social media has been so disruptive. Um, it, I mean, we used to, of course, you, we know, like we, we need to be in groups that we can feel are controllable. That's why the average primate troop is around 150 or so beings. Um, when social media hit, it was like throwing 8 billion rats in a shoebox. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that kind of pressure where, where you can constantly feel assaulted is real and it's destroying a large part of, of our youngest generation as we learn to socially evolve to deal with this. And what you just said, which is to say, hey, whoa, time out. Let me let me think about this. Let me let me put some actual concrete pins under this. Then that's what but but as soon as you're on screen just going back and forth at each other or creating that hate and animosity, you're just going downhill fast. Well, I also found too, it's like almost when you hate something, it's because you actually don't have a full understanding of it. You just have what your group has told you and you, and you don't necessarily have that full picture. And, and that was something too, that, uh, you know, has been a huge help to me because, you know, just because I don't understand it, I have this like intrinsic, like, Oh, you know, like you, you try to shy away from it. Right. Because it, goes against maybe something that you're kind of semi, you know, familiar with, like, um, and, and so then it can be a little bit scary to try and you know, figure this out and understand it. And, and as you kind of go through that process, it's like that feeling of tension almost starts to unravel as you go through that process, as you understand more and you kind of, then all of a sudden, like what I have just found for myself is you kind of have like a light bulb moment. And all of a sudden it's just like this thought pops into your head and you're like, Oh, boom. And it kind of all clicks in place. And for myself, I just kind of find then, okay, the tension is gone. I, I kind of, well, at least on my understanding, this is how I understand it. You know, this is what I think it is. And then, you know, that's, that's been my process at least. It's, it's been one of the greatest things I've done because I am somebody who's instantly distrusting negative uh, de de defensive, I guess I should say, um, you know, everything to me is a threat. That's how I'm wired. And that's just a bad place to live. And, and I've had to go through a lot of this analysis and, and talk about being able to reduce anxiety in your life and worry when you can just say, oh, 
yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Let me think through this. Probably not meant to be an insult or this or that, um, but it does take a mental process. And I, I think that's the secret to using this as a tool because I don't think we should go without that. I, I think we need to be skeptical and defensive when necessary and maybe even offensive if necessary, but but keep that powder dry until you really need it and, and you're going to save yourself a lot of tension. You know, the other side of this that is entirely a whole nother podcast that we probably should do as a part two to this <laughs> is social constructionism, where instead of thinking that it's me against the world, let me create a whole team of allies. Let me be so useful and, and appropriately friendly with so many people that I never have a, a need to worry. That's how you. That, that's why troops exist because we are safer in those numbers, and it's because we've learned to retract some of our personal needs, wants, and desires, and be more amenable to others. That's how we create a close knit community. We're much more forgiving of a close friend than an other, and so that's that's another big big part of of this picture. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this last week. I kind of feel like it's it's applicable in, in this scenario, to, scenario too. And it was something along those lines. You said like you know you don't matter, right? Like you're you're nothing, but in a good way. And that's where we drive you know all of this happiness because of how you know just in the cosmos and how small and insignificant we are. And I think it's kind of you can apply it to this as well, right? In in the terms of you know how we think about others and that. Yeah, we are so in insignificant. And so, you know, yes, we can let certain tensions and hate drive us. But, you know, when it comes to community and thriving, you know, being able to understand how much you don't matter in a good way is allowing you to then step back and go through this whole process we've been talking about today. You know, I, I should actually spin my camera around because I have my, one of my computers I have ported to a big screen over there. That's what I view most of the day. And right at the bottom of that that screen, I have a button that that I got in an event, and it simply says "Be kind." So when I'm looking at my work all day long, which is on a big computer screen, what I see at the bottom of that screen is "Be kind," and uh, you know that's a reminder. There you go. Yeah, I mean that says in every single interaction we have, if that's my default, is to just say, "Hey, let's let's inject some benefit of the doubt, some kindness here, and let's see where that takes us in this potential yeah. conflict or relationship." Yeah, my uh, Steph would all like one of her big sayings is fill the gap with trust, right? There's always this gap where we have that we do not give someone this benefit of the doubt. 99% of people, if they screw up, do something, they're not trying to, they're not doing it on purpose. They're probably having a bad day. They're not thinking, fill mm -hmm. that gap with trust that they're not doing this on purpose. And you can apply that into so many aspects, like a job, anything like she has seen this so many times that, you know, coming in the morning, closing, didn't do a great job. Someone would be pissed. And she's like, hey, maybe there was a lunch or a dinner rush. Maybe there was this. Maybe you have no idea. So give that person the benefit of the doubt. Go talk to them. Hey, what happened? Like, you know, how can we make this better? Boom. There you go. Now you have completely gotten rid of a situation that is going to escalate, piss people off, get people against each other and create disharmony in a team when they could have just, hey, Maybe something happened. I'm going to go talk to them and see, you know, if everything was okay. Steph for the win. Why, why are you on this podcast? I right? need Stephanie in here. Hey, maybe, maybe we'll have to do a guest <laughs> with her. 
All right, man. Well, thank you, Tyler, for real. Uh, really appreciate this. It's obviously one of my hobby horses. I love talking about social psychology and uh, hope you guys have uh, learned something. Let us know and uh, any topics you want us to, to dip into. And we'll see you next time in the Mind Muscle Connection.